big rewards are waiting for you at Isle Casino Hotel Blackhawk. Join the fan club to get access to exclusive offers. Plus, new members who play 30 minutes on the day they sign up will receive a free buffet to our acclaimed Farmer's Pick Buffet. Sign up today for free at Isle Casino Hotel Blackhawk. Must be 21. Any and all terms, conditions, rewards, and or benefits published or received are subject to change or revocation without notice. Eligibility rules and exceptions apply. Refer to official promotional rules. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you are here listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. Thank you for being here. We have had a lot of episodes, and we really appreciate you taking the time to review us. Um, We get better. We read those reviews. We try to take to heart any audio issues that we're having and making sure that we uh, do a better job of communicating with the guests so that we can hear everybody. And just content-wise, if you ever want to reach out to me, I really would love to hear from you. My email is shansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, at hbi.com. You can always reach out on the Makers of Minnesota Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, so we are here with Brianne Bettner from Timber yes. and Tulip. And she is a furniture designer, which that is like such a cool title. I know. It sounds way fancier than it probably is. (laughs) So how did you, like, because you had a regular corporate job. How did you decide, like, wow, this is, I'm going to design furniture? You know, it it was a process. So I my background is not in design at all. So I actually have my background, my career experience, and my education is like in accounting and finance. Wow. I know. Something so just completely, like, completely different. And I think this creative part of me was always like not completely dormant. It would show up in my, my work from day to day. But it was actually when I bought my loft downtown, which would have been in 2012, and I started creating pieces for my loft because then I had like free reign. I was no longer renting. I right. like, and for some reason, like I caught the creative bug at that point. So it was, I, I still live in the loft right now. I actually just sold it, but, um, it was, a, it's a very industrial type loft. Uh-huh. And so, uh, um, got some inspiration. Like one of the first pieces I created was this railroad cart coffee table. So it wasn't like a design from scratch kind of thing. It was more find cool things. And then make it into something cooler. Yeah. Right? Because I was like, okay, so did you have like a hammer and a saw? And you're just like, oh, yeah. No, it wasn't. It was very much, it started with like just finding like unique different materials that told a story and like turning it into something that was aesthetically pleasing and you could use in your space. Sure. And for for whatever reason, like I just got, it was like something like lit up in me. And it was like, okay, I like really enjoy doing this. I want to do more of it. And so it kind of just escalated from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you think about, so you started with the, we'll call it a trestle table. And then what was your next piece? And then you're working your regular job. Tell me yeah. how you go from, I'm going to make these things in my apartment to this is going to be a business for me. Yeah. So, I mean, it was really creating different things in my apartment. That was like the biggest thing. So like, I know I did like a sofa table out of this cool timber after that and um, created like a mirror type thing. And And were you literally like, 
okay, I can get a piece of wood that looks cool, but don't you have to like shave it down? And yeah. were you in a so workshop doing all that? I got connected with a guy. So some of it I was doing myself, but I actually got connected to a guy through a friend of mine who had a shop and had some of that woodworking experience. So instead of me just like literally like throwing things together, which was like not the way to build furniture, right. um, it was able to I was able to work with him and also in some cases do it myself um, to kind of bring the piece to life. So it was creating pieces for my apartment, and then I ran out of space because it's only like a thousand square foot sure. <laughs> apartment. And I was and I was getting a lot of interest from people saying, "Oh, these are really cool things that you're making." And so I started selling them on Etsy, and so um, had some success in doing that. And then got approached by um, a vintage store called Time Bomb Vintage to say, "Hey, would you be interested in being a vendor?" Which kind of opened up my mind to. All of these other op- it's like opportunities, like, okay, actually, like, thinking about display and, like, pricing and, like, just being a bit more formal about it. Yeah, because at this point, you were doing it on the weekends and in the evenings with yes. your day job. Yes, and I still was, even at Time on Vintage. So that, like, just got me to the point where I could actually dabble and start learning kind of the retail store. Um, and then, like, that led into doing different, like, pop-up markets, different shows. Was a pop-up market successful for you as a furniture maker? Because it would seem like the pieces are so... Sometimes I see furniture people and I'm like, oh, that's really cool, but it's so big and I can't really carry it. Yeah. So like, so after I left Best Buy and I I did a lot of pop-up markets and... Um, I think they were the, a great way to get started, mm-hmm. but logistically it was a nightmare, yeah. an absolute nightmare. But it was a good way to like just get my product in front of people and to start talking to people and to connect with other vendors and kind of get connected with the small business community. And so they, it worked out really well for me, but as far as how feasible it is and like whether I was really making money at the end of the day. Um, it was more of a just kind of getting my feet wet and kind of learning. Yeah. yeah. And also maybe getting in front of customers like some of the food companies are at farmer's markets, getting in front of customers to see yes. like what people are liking, what they're gravitating towards. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, I mean, it took a while. Like, I mean, you can see like, so I started in repurposing and now kind of gravitating to what I do today. It's like a huge transition. Yeah. Because you're doing more custom pieces today. I do custom pieces and it's a completely where we're designing and building from scratch and it has more of a natural modern feel to it, not like an industrial rustic feel mm-hmm. to it. Um, so it took a while to find that kind of brand and that that design aesthetic, um, which, you know, not only like who am I as a designer, but then what are people gravitating to? Where I think pop-up markets and shows really helped with that process. And how hard is it? I mean, it's one thing to like, you're out there, you have to market everything. You're not like a showroom, like a gabber. It's where people can come and wander around and there's all these lines. Like you have to do it all. Right. Um, And that's where, and it's interesting because I'm at kind of a transition point in my business where until now it's been 95% custom. Yep. And that's really just getting in front of people, showing them almost inspiration pieces. Like this is what I'm capable of. Um, and then kind of getting business that way. Um, we're now kind of, we're in the very, I'm in the very early stages, but kind of moving towards more of a furniture line, incorporating that in addition to my custom business is the path that I'm trying to take right now. And why are you trying to take that path? Um, Because customization, as much as I love it, it's a bit unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And so 
trying to sort through and think through how to get my business to that next level. Um, a furniture collection makes a, uh, a lot of sense in a lot of ways because then you have a repeatable piece that even from a cost standpoint. I was going to um, say the margins have to be better. Uh, the margins are better. You're just, I mean, to be able to get good margins right now on the custom, it's, it's expensive. Yeah. It really is. So it's a very limited kind of target customer, um, which with a furniture line, you know, being able to make something that's a little bit more affordable for people. Not only are you are you appealing to um, a broader base of residential, which I work with a lot of residential, but mm -hmm. then even starting to work more and more with interior designers and even kind of dabbling into commercial work more so. Right. And so. you have a showroom now. I do, yes. So we just opened up. So I share space with a company called Nick Frost Cabinetry. And so it's a 5,000 square foot space. Um, a thousand square feet of that is my showroom, which has some finished pieces. And it's where I do client consults and all of that. And then 4,000 square feet is both, I mean, that's where the furniture is being manufactured. Um, and also I have a wide range of live edge, natural edge uh, material available for people to see. And this is uh, at Timber and Tulip in St. Louis Park. Yes, correct. Uh, what, what street are you on? Uh, West 27th Street. Okay, so if I was interested in a design that I saw, but I wanted a special piece of wood, I could go to the shop and find it there. Yes, yes. <coughs> yeah, me. and in some cases, I mean, so we have everything like small enough for a side table to like pieces that are large enough for a conference table. Um, but it is also a good way for people to go and see different types of wood and just different unique pieces, like different species that you don't typically see everywhere. Yeah. So even if it's not the right piece at the right dimension, I can go. I have access to thousands of slabs and I can go track something else down. Was it scary to go into a space like now you have rent and yeah. you have like a legitimate base of bills that you have to cover every month? Absolutely. I mean, it was one of those moments where it made complete sense. And it was like, yes, this is where I need to take my business. Um, because as I was growing before, I was working with several different fabricators all over the Twin Cities. Yep. And it was so it was decentralized. So the busier I got, like the more logistically it just became more and more difficult. So centralizing that made a lot of sense. Um, but it was a leap of faith. You know, it's not like I was, you know, swimming in cash at right, that point. Right. And, but it felt like the right, the right next step for my business. And I mean, even increasing capacity and just allowing, a, there's just more ways I can take my business now that I'm set up this way. And that was pretty recent. Do you feel like yeah. it's been a good decision or are you still trying to figure it out? It, it has been. I mean, I think, again, the centralization part of the fabrication has been huge. Um, you know, trying to get right now, I'm trying to figure out how do you get more and more more traction with people actually coming in because people are still defaulting to do kind of the phone consult. And yep. Either then they come into the showroom or I go to their home or what have you. Um, but when I do get people actually into the space, like... It's just, it's an engaging experience. It's, you know, people can see and touch and feel the wood. And so the concept is there. It's now just figuring out kind of how do I drive that traffic up? How do you, so you invest in this business and I would assume like of your budget is X amount of percent in materials. Yep. Yep. I mean, I would imagine that's where most of the money is. Yeah. So well, you're buying I mean, inventory. It's materials and, and labor uh -huh. is where it's at. So, I mean, the nice thing about having a back, so I have a background in accounting. So, and even working at corporate and 
um, just knowing how to do a cost analysis and knowing kind of what the cost is going into the product and what that markup needs to be. Big rewards are waiting for you at Isle Casino Hotel Blackhawk. Join the fan club to get access to exclusive offers. Plus, new members who play 30 minutes on the day they sign up will receive a free buffet to our acclaimed Farmer's Pick Buffet. Sign up today for free at Isle Casino Hotel Blackhawk. Must be 21. Any and all terms, conditions, rewards, and or benefits published or received are subject to change or revocation without notice. Eligibility rules and exceptions apply. Refer to official promotional rules. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So when you make a table... Like a lot of people, when they start out, they don't know like, oh, it costs me X amount to do this. And then I'm selling it for Y amount and right. the profit's not there. Right. They're just so excited about the making of it and the yes. selling of it. Yes. And it's easy to get wrapped up in that. I mean, I think so. There's always for me, it still is a learning process because there's still estimates going into, especially with custom furniture. Yeah, I would think like you'd yeah. think it's going to take this long and sometimes it would take twice as long. Well, and the biggest variable in what I do is labor. So that's the because I'm coming up with designs that um, in some cases have not been done by my fabric fabricators before. Right. And so even if I ask them, how long is this going to take you? It's an estimate for them. Or in some cases, it's worked out well, where it ends up being less than we think. But I would say that's more the exception um, versus the norm. And then there's some where, you know, it takes a lot longer. And, you know, that's just is kind of part of the risk. As I've been in the business longer, the more I have a feel for what I need to assume in the But cost just like for each anything, project. I'm sure you've underestimated a few. I oh, mean, God, it's yeah. just the way it goes. And you're like, here, here, <laughs> let me just, just give business. this to you. <laughs> well, and you kind of get excited as part of like the idea and like working with the client. And then you're working with the variable or the factor of like, what do they want to spend? And yeah. what's the budget? And so, um, you know, sometimes you take on some of those projects knowing that, oh, it'd be nice if I had a little more buffer, but this is where their cap is as far as their budget. And I really want to give this a go. And so, yes, there have been a couple underestimates. Yeah. Yep. Um, when you, I, one of the things I think about furniture and maybe this is like anything, but you make something really cool. Yeah. Like, what is to prevent the store manufacturer down the road from seeing your cool design and just knocking it off and selling it better, cheaper, faster? I think that's always going to be a risk. Um, and that that's something um, I guess I haven't had to face too often. I mean, all my pieces at this point, I mean, I don't have a furniture line yet. Once that happens, I could see that being much more relevant. Yep. Um, but I kind of stick to the fact that Coming up with cool designs, it's good construction. So, like, the quality is, like, a big piece. Like, we don't kind of take the shortcuts and yep. we build pieces that are going to last a lifetime. Do you have, um, like, an ideal customer profile? Is the person a certain age or is it yeah, all across the board? that's always something that I, I struggle to, to pin down. Um, I definitely have found that I connect a lot with um, – you know, people that are my age that are tend to be professionals, they've now reached a point where, you know, they've worked really hard. They've been in the corporate world and now they, you know, have some extra income to spend. And, and that would see it maybe more as home. art. Yeah. 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 I, I always love when clients refer to it as functional art. Like that's that's always a huge compliment because, I mean... It means it's it's like it's making a statement. It's something different. Yeah, you know? for sure. It's not just like a random table that 
you bought at Gabbard's. Yeah. You know? Are there other uh, people that you've met along the way that you admire that are not necessarily in your same field, but people that you're just like, wow, she's or he's got it going on? Oh, there's so many. I mean, so, I mean, one thing I was always really, I was really in awe of when I started was just kind of that small business community, even more filtered as like women own small mm-hmm. business. Like, it's it amazing. Just, it isn't blows it? my mind and just how open they are, everybody is to helping each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've worked with like even collaborations with more well known names like Construction to Style. I've worked with Morgan over there. And, yep. Um, even like I think of Modern Well and like working with Julie, like she kind of went out on a limb and said, I want some of your furniture for this new space that we're creating. And it's just amazing as you're in this kind of industry and this business longer, like just the amazing people you meet. And... Have you met any just total creeps? <laughs> what a like people question. that just, you know, took advantage yes, of you. Yes, but I'm not or... going to say their names. No, of course not. Yeah. But you have, I would imagine, a, run into more, a few. It was more men than anything. I mean, I run to, I deal with a lot of men in this industry just because, you know, going out to lumber yards and going out to mills. Yeah. And I mean, there's not a lot of like... You know, like blonde chicks walking around. Sure. It's a lot of old white men, right? Yep. So there's been a couple of creeps in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. <laughs> I, you know, there is in every industry, I guess. Yeah. Um, has Instagram changed the way that you sell? Cause it's such yes. a visual medium and your pieces really translate well to that. Instagram is, is huge for me. I would say, cause I don't do a lot of paid marketing yet. Um, social media, because my pieces are so visual, um, Instagram has been huge, not only like as far as like establishing, like just connecting with other businesses, uh-huh. but like there's legit business that comes through there just because a friend of a friend tags somebody who, you know, eventually came back to Timber and Tulip and now they need a dining table. Like it's, it's, it's a powerful medium. Um, Do you believe in like buying followers or amassing lots of followers? No, I've been a hundred percent organic as far as the growth, which has taken more time. Like I feel like I'm now starting to get more traction with just um, my presence presence on Instagram. And that has been um, a lot of its consistency. Yeah. How many followers do you have at this point? Right now I have like 2,700, 2,800, I want to say. And when you say consistency, do you post every day? I do now, which was a recent change. It used to be like I mean, even six months ago, it was random when I had time. So, like, when I started getting really busy, bus- or really busy, I would drop off the face yep. of the planet, um, and then I'd post. And then I was using somebody for social media for a little while, um, and that worked out really well and started getting traction. And then I realized I really needed to figure out what my brand voice is and like what I want that overall visual to be to kind of tie in with my brand. So I did take it back recently. Um, and now I've been putting more effort into it and posting every single day. And I do think good. that we're seeing a shift in the last year to two years where it used to be people posted like three to three to four times a week. And yeah. that was enough. Yep. I do think people need to post every day. Yes. I, I think that's how you can really grow organically. And I think if you don't post every day, it's just not enough. Yeah. Which it, it's a, it's a, an effort. Like yeah, you really sure. need like concentrated effort not even like just the act of coming up the words to post it's also coming up with the content like photo content Mm -hmm. and then even like kind of take it that next level where you're trying to create this like visual and this aesthetic Mm -hmm. and you have to do that for your industry yes yes, if someone's going to be paying premium top dollar for a custom crafted piece yes there is this expectation that you would have 
this beautiful lifestyle appearance, yes. right? Yes. Which, I mean, I feel like I've improved, but I still, there's still room for improvement. Yeah, because you probably have to stage stuff and create like fake environments yes. and furniture in an environment. Well, and even to have it in the right lighting, like you may have this beautiful table, but you bring it to the client's house and where it's staged, it just doesn't have great lighting. So it's yep. hard to get a good shot of it. And um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, hopefully with this new space, my my vision is that every piece coming off the production floor, like I'm going to have like a staging area mm-hmm. that we're going to eventually build so that everything can get photographed. Oh, that's a cool idea. But but yeah, still haven't gotten that done yet. But um, If people are listening to this podcast and want to know about you, like what are the three takeaways you want them to have about you and your aesthetic? Um, so I would say... Um, I like to make the process fun. So, I mean, it's one of those where sometimes I think people are afraid of customization because it's like intimidating and like I enjoy what I do and like, you know, just, you know, it's going to be an easy, fun process. Okay. Good to Um, know because I think buying furniture is hideous. (laughs) I hate hearing that, but we can help. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I would say... Again, heirloom quality, like as far as... Um, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah, it, something that you would pass down in your family. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when you think about heirloom quality can kind of... You almost get the visual of like old grandpa and grandma furniture. Yeah. But it's really just kind of going back to the basics of how do you create um, good, solid furniture, you know, that you're not going to have to replace in three years. Yeah. Right? Um, and then I would say... I mean, the aesthetic wise, like not, I mean, our aesthetic is natural, modern. Mm-hmm. So it's really bringing in those organic materials and making that piece interesting. Um, so using material like monkey pot and mango wood and coco bolo and I mean, different things that you just aren't going to find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But it's incorporating that wood in a way that still is streamlined it's still clean it's still gonna you know fit in that modern environment you're not we don't do rustic right you know? so is there a range like just price wise that people could expect to spend on a custom piece um i mean it depends on the the piece obviously like if you're talking about a coffee table you're probably somewhere in the range of I mean, it could be twelve hundred to four thousand, depending yeah, on the piece. I was going to say a couple thousand, yeah. probably. I mean, dining tables usually start around four to forty five hundred, and can range again up to, I mean, twelve thousand. I do love the idea because I'm a big food person of just like my my original dining room table I had was a friend of a friend's grandma's. Yeah, yeah. And then their kids went off to college, and you know, ten years later, those kids are now buying homes and having kids. Yeah. So we gave them their table back for their kids. Right. Right. And then we didn't have a table. And it was it was like, wow, we've had so many meals here. Like what do yes. we want? I don't want to just buy a new table. I want like some history of table. I want right. a table that's been eaten at. Yeah. Or something that has a story to it. Yeah. Right. Or even you know, something that has some design feature that you know you can't find anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the fun about it for me. Like, I even think one of the examples I think of, like, when I talk about, like, design features you don't see. Like, I met with this one client who, you know, the wife was really dead set on having a more traditional rectangular table. The husband was really feeling that natural live edge. Yep. And so what we came up with was we actually inlaid the live edge into the table, but still had it as traditional shaped. 
So it's kind of something where you have this piece of walnut almost like running through the table, middle of the table. Yep. But then you have like when you look at it, the silhouette of something that's very clean, very I modern. think I saw that on your website. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It looked really cool. Yeah. So. so All yeah. right. Well, it's very nice to talk to you. Yes. Congratulations. So yeah. On having a showroom and it's Timber and Tulip. You can find her on Instagram. Yes. You can also find her online. And there's been a few articles written about you in Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine and yes, some of the design yeah. magazines. So good for you. Thank you. Thanks for Thank being you. here today. Yes, thanks. Big rewards are waiting for you at Isle Casino Hotel Blackhawk. Join the fan club to get access to exclusive offers. Plus, new members who play 30 minutes on the day they sign up will receive a free buffet to our acclaimed Farmer's Pick Buffet. Sign up today for free at Isle Casino Hotel Blackhawk. Must be 21. Any and all terms, conditions, rewards, and or benefits published or received are subject to change or revocation without notice. Eligibility rules and exceptions apply. Refer to official promotional rules. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Deadly storms closing roads in the south. I'm Jackie Quinn with an AP News Minute. Severe weather making travel difficult this Good Friday. A suspected tornado touching down near Roanoke, Virginia. Down trees blocked part of Interstate 26 in South Carolina. A falling tree killed a child near Tallahassee and three people died in Mississippi and a woman in Alabama. Several Democrats are calling for the impeachment of President Trump now that the Mueller report cites instances of possible obstruction of justice. Our Julie Pace reports the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is not rushing in. You also have to be able to bring not just Democrats, but also Republicans on board. This is somebody who lived through the Bill Clinton impeachment hearings, and her takeaway from those hearings was that it just divided the country. Pope Francis used a Good Friday ceremony to decry all the crosses of suffering, including those borne by migrants who find closed doors and children harmed by clergy. I'm Jackie Quinn.